the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. One thing we do know, he made a rash vow that got him in deep trouble We have to be very careful with our words. God wants us to honor our words, so we shouldn't say things rashly. Weigh your words carefully is point number two. Not just don't speak rashly, we need to also weigh our words carefully. Avoid exaggerations. Words can either build someone up or tear someone down. You can use your tongue to encourage someone to make a decision that can help their life or even destroy it. You can use your words to preach the gospel, or you can use your words to discourage others. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching series today, he'll be explaining how life and death are in the power of the tongue, and that what you speak should be to first and foremost glorify the Lord. Don't allow the enemy to use your mouth. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua chapter 9 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. When we don't see God and inquire of the Lord, then we're more accountable to what we say. So it's important to get number one down about the importance of hearing God and and seeking his counsel and then putting on pause if you're not sure. Better to do that than to enter into an agreement, some kind of a contract, some kind of an oath, swearing to something, and then you have to live with that. You know, look, this is the importance of marriage too. When you stand and you make vows to a husband or to a wife, right? You're committing to them. And it, it, you can't, like, you know, a year into it, like, well, I, di- I didn't know that he was an angry person. Well, you should have known. I, I, didn't, I didn't know she, you know, she's such a, you know, a, a, a spendthrift, you know, and, and I'm going bankrupt. And, and I didn't know how much she spends. But, well, you should have known. Like, you can't just all of a sudden be like, I can't be in this marriage because I, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are certain, there's weight to our words, So what we're going to talk about here is the importance of the weight of our words, the importance of keeping your word. And and I'll start with what Jesus said in Matthew 5, uh, 5, verse 37. He said, let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You know that Jesus actually says that anything beyond yes or no, just being true to your word, words matter. And if you're not true to your word, Jesus says, you know who's behind that is the evil one. Because a man or a woman of his or her word, 
says what he or she means and means what he or she says, we need to be people of our word. Words matter, promises matter. And while a lot of other people in the world might not see it this way, as followers of Christ, we need to take our vows, our oaths, our words very, very seriously. And here's one reason why, because this isn't point number one, but just as kind of an intro to all this. God wants us to be as reliable with our words as he is, since we are followers of his. And the Bible says in Psalm 145, 13, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. And so if God's character speaks about how faithful and true he is to all his promises, and then we say that we love Jesus and we're followers of Christ, then God says, great, I want you to take on my character too. And if he, as our father, is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made, he wants us in the same way to be faithful to all our promises, because that's his character. Being a man or woman of your word is actually a reflection of character. It's not just, you know, verbal gymnastics. It is an expression of your character. The reason why God is faithful to his promises and the reason you can rely on his promises is because he is a God of truth and character. His character will not allow him to violate his word. Can you imagine how unsettling it would be for all of us? We read all God's precious promises in the Bible about our salvation, about the hope of heaven, and then God just kind of winks and goes... You know, I'm just kidding. What? Don't we need to know that he's like true to all his promises? Don't we need to like have the assurance that what God says in his word is true and he's going to do it? Yes, of course we do, because that's his character. And guess what? He wants us to be the same. He wants our character to reflect our lives and our speech. Now, this is the reason why Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything else is from the evil one. Because we shouldn't have to add extra words to try to convince people that what we're saying is true. You know why? Because our character should speak for us. If you have to add all these other words, like yes, instead of just yes or no, you're, you're saying things like, I swear, I swear to God, I swear to God, stick a needle in my eye, hope to die, I swear... If you have to say all that extra stuff, why should I believe you? But if your character speaks for itself, all you have to do is say yes, and I'm going to know you mean it. All you have to do is say no, and I know that you mean it. Because it's your character that speaks behind your words, and as followers of Christ, that should be our character too. And so, here's a few things that the Bible tells us the importance of keeping our word. Number one, don't speak rashly. Don't speak rashly. Sometimes we fail to keep our word because we speak rashly before we have thought or prayed everything through. And sometimes we speak rashly maybe because we overestimate our ability to deliver and we underestimate what it'll take to make good on our word. Uh, Maybe sometimes we speak rashly because we're impulsive or we're just kind of in the moment and we say something without really thinking. Maybe it's kind of a personality thing. Uh, Some of you like to speak first and think last. That's Peter's personality in the Bible. He was always saying things. He had had foot and mouth disease. He was constantly saying things, putting his foot in his mouth like, you know, and and then, you know, regrettably. But he was just one of these people who just kind of extroverted out there, was just talking all the time, and then would say things that later he would come to regret. And some of you can identify with that personality. It's not easy being you, is it? Because when you talk first and then think last, you're like, oh, why did I say that? 
So it's much better to think first and talk last than to talk first and think last. Proverbs 20 verse 25 says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly only later to consider his vows. That's Proverbs 20, 25. And Ecclesiastes 5, 2, the verse I have on the screen as a reference, says this, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God For God is in heaven and you on earth, therefore let your words be few. Why why does the Bible tell us that? Because the fewer words you speak, the less likely you are to get in trouble. Have you ever tried to clear something up by talking a lot? And the more you talk, you realize, I just dug a hole. I just made it worse. It's better sometimes to take the hit and keep your mouth shut. And realize, I I only want to defend the three words I said. I don't want to defend the 30 next words I'm going to say, right? There's an example of the Bible, a terrible example of a guy who spoke rashly and made a vow with his mouth and had to live with it. His name was Jephthah. And and his story is in Judges chapter 11. And he was one of the judges of Israel during the period when the judges ruled Israel. And here's the vow that he made, because he was fighting as the judge. He was the leader of Israel at the time, and he was fighting the Ammonites. And here's the vow that Jephthah made with his mouth, Judges 11, verse 30. It says, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said this, if you give the Ammonites into my hands, dangerous to ever do one of these if you God things, right? He's like, if you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So there's Jephthah like, okay, God, give us the, give us the victory here. Yeah, I promise, I promise. I, this is one of these desperate prayers. Don't pray a desperate prayer because God might just give you the answer that you pray in desperation and now you got to live with it. And so he's like, I, I promise you, I, I, I promise God, whatever comes out of the door of my house, when I come home after defeating the Ammonites, I'll sacrifice. I'll kill as an offering to you. Okay, wait, couple questions. What is he thinking is going to come out of the front door of his house? Some neighbor he doesn't get along with? Man, I hope Bobby's visiting my home when I get home, and when he comes out, I'm going to sacrifice him. You know, a lawyer? What is he thinking is going to, his in-laws? I don't know what he's thinking, but like, what are you, what are you saying the first thing? How random is that? You know the, what comes out of his, the house? His daughter. When he gets back from battle, he got success over the Ammonites. His daughter walks out the front door. Now, he's got a dilemma here. And Bible scholars are all divided as to, did he really sacrifice his daughter or not? Is this, you know, some some uh, twist on the words, and, and did he really uh, sacrifice his daughter or not? Now, by the way... Um, you know, as, as funny as, as it might sound, like who, who would he imagine would come out? Why would he ever think that, that he would have a legitimate sacrifice walking out the front door of his house? You have to remember that actually back in the days, uh, people would sometimes keep livestock in their home. I mean, you know, these are very rustic homes, small little tiny homes, dirt floors. People didn't have the luxury of barns, you know, on three acres, right? You, you sometimes would keep you know, your goat or your sheep in your house with you until such time that that goat or sheep became dinner. You know, you just, you know, it's time, it's time to kill the pet and let's just have dinner. Um, and so, so that's actually probably what he was thinking that, you know, whatever comes out the front door of his house, just one of these stray animals that they have there in the home is going to come out. He's going to sacrifice, but out walks his daughter. 
And, and now, what is he going to do here? So Bible scholars are equally divided here. Did he really end up sacrificing her or not? Many say yes, some say no. Those who say no point to the word and in the vow that I read a moment ago and say that it could be translated the word or, which it could be in Hebrew. What, what he ends up saying here is this. Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, instead of and, or I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So some Bible scholars say what he meant was, I'm either going to dedicate it to the Lord or I'm going to sacrifice it, depending on, what, depending on what comes out of the door of my home. I will either dedicate it or I will sacrifice it. I will tell you that that interpretation that Jephthah dedicated his daughter to lifelong service in the tabernacle rather than sacrificing her is almost exclusively a Western interpretation because it appeals to our rational sensitivity. We're like, well, no rational father would follow through and actually sacrifice his daughter. No, no dad in his right mind would do such a thing. It offends our conscience, just the thought. But the fact is that all Jewish literature and rabbinical views on this story say that he did, in fact, sacrifice his daughter, that it was a rash vow that he made to God, that he regretted it, but nevertheless he followed through with it. Which is why in Jewish literature he is seen as foolish and ignorant and among the worst of the judges, and it is why in the Jewish Midrash, which is a commentary on the Old Testament by ancient rabbis, It says that God's punishment for Jephthah was to cause his flesh to decay and his limbs to fall off. The truth is we don't know. That's all, you know, Jewish traditional rabbinical views. It's not spelled out for us in the Bible. I personally think that the language in Judges chapter 11 seems to indicate that in fact he did sacrifice his daughter. And that's why it tells us in Judges 11, verse 40, that there was a lasting memorial to her where every year the young women of Israel would go out to commemorate, or King James says to lament her life. The bottom line is we really don't know. Uh, But one thing we do know, he made a rash vow that got him in deep trouble We have to be very careful with our words. God wants us to honor our words so we shouldn't say things rashly. Weigh your words carefully is point number two. Not just don't speak rashly, we need to also weigh our words carefully. Avoid exaggerations and superlatives like always, never, absolutely, Those will get you in trouble every time. I will never forget to take out the trash. How about you just say, I will try my hardest to take out the trash, dear. Or maybe just say, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. That's better than just saying, I will always, or I will always take out the trash. I will never forget to take out the trash. You know, things like, I will always drive the speed limit. No, you won't. (laughs) You didn't coming here. Why don't you just say, I will attempt to watch my speed. Or... I don't give a rip, but one or the other, but don't go, don't go promising something you're never going to do. I will absolutely be there. How about just say, I'm going to do my best to be there. You know, we got to just be careful with some of these things. I'm going to buy you the best gift ever. Just say, I'll get you a gift card because that's what's going to end up happening. (laughs) We have to learn different phrases like I will do my best or I will try my hardest. Avoid those superlatives. Never, always, absolutely. You know, a good example of a sad example of somebody who always used super, look what I just did, who always used, who often used superlatives. 
in the Bible was Peter. Remember at the Last Supper, when Jesus said to his disciples, I, I will tell you the truth, you will all fall away on account of me. And what does Peter rise up? And in the Bible, he uses these words. He goes, I will never, he says it, I will never forsake you. And he points to the rest of his brothers there on the A-team. He goes, if they all fall away on account of you, I never will. That's what he says. And Jesus looks at him and goes, Peter, I'll tell you the truth before, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. He looks him square in the eyes and says, you are making a promise you cannot keep and you will not keep. So you have to be very careful of, of speaking rashly and then not weighing our words and using these kinds of definitives and superlatives and exaggerations. You know the old saying, it's better to under-promise and over-deliver. You know, don't, don't make these promises that you can't keep. Under-promise, I think so. I hope to. I'm going to do my very best. You know, those kind of things are better. And then you deliver, and it's like, wow. But don't go saying things that you can't live up to. Deuteronomy 23, 23 says, whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with all your mouth. In Proverbs 13, 3, it says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips have destruction. The Bible warns us over and over again about how we need to be careful with our words, weigh what we say. Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all their doubts. I like that. So weigh your words carefully in addition to don't speak rashly. And the third, the last one is, this is also as important, avoid promising things unrealistically. Avoid promising things unrealistically. Ecclesiastes 5.5 says, better not to vow than to vow and not pay or not to follow through. Another translation says of that verse, it is better not to promise anything than to promise something and not do it. That's Ecclesiastes 5.5. You know, um, we've all watched these movies and I cringe whenever there's some kind of a a war movie or some some dad or or mom is going off to war and um you know and and some parent turns to to a child and says you know daddy's going to be back i promise and and i i cringe when i see that cuz i know i know that that soldier has every good intention and i know that that soldier wants to you know calm any fears or worries or you know, the tears of the child as, as mom or dad are going off to war. I know what the intention is, and it's admirable. It's noble. But I, I also cringe at the idea that if, that if that soldier can't follow through on his or her word, how devastating it'll be to that child. You know, I, I, I heard a promise when I was five, and daddy never came back. You know, those kind of things... When we promise, when we promise things that are predicated upon other circumstances that are beyond our control, it's a dangerous thing. So we have to be careful that if, that if there are certain, and there are a lot of things in life that are beyond our control, we don't have the ability to necessarily make good on that promise because there are other factors that contribute to it that are beyond my control. 
Okay, when we start then making promises that are unrealistic because they're based on other factors that are outside of my control, we're just potentially setting ourselves up for failure and we're going to disappoint a lot of people along the way. So what what we need to say again, and, and this isn't semantics, this is actually trying to understand the best way to use words to communicate in a way that is God honoring. And, and will be truthful and that we can live up to. We need to learn to say things a little differently. You know, daddy's going to do his very best to come back just as soon as possible. That's, that's better than to say, I promise, because you may not be able to deliver on that promise. So we have to be very careful with our words and make sure that we can deliver because God wants us to be true to our word because it reflects our character and our character should reflect his character. And he is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. We are living in a world, in a culture, in a day when your word does not mean as much as it once did. I I remember meeting with a pastor years ago, like 20 years ago, pastor friend of mine who's since gone on to be with the Lord, who bought property from a farmer on which he was going to build his future church. And he said to me that he negotiated the deal with a handshake. I said, what? I said, he said, yeah, we, I mean, he said, yeah, we're going to come up with a contract later. But he said, all the terms were negotiated on a handshake because the farmer looked at me and he said, my word is my bond. And when I tell you, I'm going to sell it to you for this price. I'm going to sell it to you for this price. Oh, I wish we lived in a day still when your word meant something. But now, unfortunately, people are like, we write that down, get it notarized. I want my attorney to look it over. I mean, we're, we're like hyper about it now. Why? Because not as many people are faithful to their word like they used to be. Your word should be your bond. We should say things that we mean and mean things that we say. And we should be truthful to our words. And we should follow through on our promises because it's all a reflection of our character. And hopefully our character is a reflection of God's character. And he is faithful to all his promises. We can't give people false hope or misleading optimism. We have to be truthful and honest. And there's a way that you can uh, uh, say the truth without sounding um, abrasive or unkind. Um, Some of you might be thinking, well, if I was really truthful, it's going to hurt people's feelings. Well, there's there's a way you can always figure out how to say it. Which, which is still kind and loving and considerate. Um, but we have to be truthful to our words because God holds us to our words. Listen to James four thirteen to 16. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go, do, uh, go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. You know, James is talking about people who just talk, you know, randomly about, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Yes, this, yes, that. And he says... Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance and such boasting is evil. And so it's not a cop out to say, you know, I'm going to wait on the Lord's will. I'm going to defer to what God wants. I'm going to seek him first. It's better to say, I need to pray about it and seek the Lord than to just jump in and make promises and swear and make oaths and all this kind of stuff and sign contracts only later to regret it. So both of these things go 
very much together. We need to be hearing people, hearing from the Lord to discern his wisdom and his counsel so that then we can make promises by saying yes or no or not now. I need to pray about it and then be faithful to our word because at the end of the day, our faithfulness to our word is a reflection of our character and our character as followers of Christ should be a reflection of his character. Amen. Words are important, friends. Let us be people who honor God with our words. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the Teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.